This is spiritual warfare. What just happened here in this room? There's an atmosphere shift. Oh, come on. Somebody shout unto the Lord one more time. Hallelujah. Satan is the prince in the power of the air. Air. Airwaves. You know what your voice does when we shout unto the Lord? It breaks up the dominion of the enemy over the airwaves. It causes terror in hell. When you lift your voice and I lift my voice and I refuse to remain silent, you refuse to remain silent. There's a shaking in hell. There's distress in hell. There's fear in hell because the children of God have confidence in their God and are depending on their God for the victory. Come on. Somebody clap mightily unto the Lord, let's give a praise together. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody lift your voice again. Hallelujah. In your walk with God, in my walk with God, we will have to learn how to be thermostats and not thermometers. In our walks with God, we will have to learn how to be thermostats and not thermometers. Thermometers change with the temperature that it's placed in. If there's joy in the room, I'm affected by the joy and I get joyful. If there's sorrow in the room, I feel sorrow in the room and I get sorrowful. If there's anger or gossip or bitterness in the room, I go to the room and I'm affected and infested with the environment of the room. But when you live life like a thermostat, you are an atmosphere changer. I'm coming in the room and there's sorrow. But because greater is Jesus in me, it's not me, it's him. And because I'm bringing Jesus with me in this room, the sorrow has to go. The distress has to go. The absence of peace has to go. Why? Because that's who Jesus is. And Jesus lives in me. And if you have the Holy Ghost, Jesus lives in you. And he wants us to learn how to be thermostats, not thermometers. That, my friends, is spiritual warfare. You can either go with the current or say on earth as it is in heaven because I'm a child of the king and I believe his word God's culture is about to become the culture of this room that I'm in right now and it's not because I'm the pastor but God wants to give that power to you and to you into you into you into you we kind of have a rule in my house we don't complain we start talking negative ah, shut that down shut it down We're not going there. Because life and death is in the power of the tongue. But I feel this way. Amen. Let me tell you something. Feelings are a current of the enemy. Don't you let those feelings carry you downstream away from the purpose of God in your life. 
Oh, I'm going to just let the river take me. No, you better stand up and say, I'm going to follow after God. My steps are going to be sure. I'm not going to let a river carry me anywhere. I'm going to hold on to the word of God who is a sure foundation. And I'm going to follow him intently taking each step towards Jesus and his purpose, in his character, in his nature, in my life. Jesus did not go to Calvary for us to be victims of circumstance. Are you hearing me, church? Jesus did not go to Calvary and shed his own blood for us to be victims of circumstances. Well, I guess this is just the way life will always be. That's a thermometer mentality. I guess this is the way it'll always be. It was that way for my mom. It was that way for my grandmother. It was that way for my dad. It was that way for my grandfather. I guess it'll be that same. I guess it's just meant to be. That's a thermometer mindset. Jesus said, no. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world today. Can we clap our hands unto the Lord and give him praise in this house? Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. We're more than conquerors through him that loved us. We're more than conquerors. Come on, let's do better than that, church. Let's give him the praise. We're more than conquerors than him that loved us. Amen. Let's turn to Matthew 5, 6. Matthew 5, verse 6. I'm going to read it in King James and the Amplified Version. What we just experienced is spiritual warfare. I'm going to tell you, this spiritual warfare. Listen, we, none, nobody will get into heaven without a battle. Nobody will get to heaven without a fight. All right? For those of you who are like me and I don't like conflict, I'm, I'm the, you know, my personality. All right? I thank God. The spirit of God is greater than personality, so don't judge me when I say this. But my personality is, you don't bother me, I don't bother you. But if you keep poking me into a corner, I'm about to come out. That, that's, that's who I was growing up. I didn't cause, I, didn't, I never started stuff. But if you provoked me enough, I was going to come out swinging. All right? But what God wants to teach us is that we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. So that means if we're more than conquerors, that means in this life we're going to have to conquer some stuff, which means a fight, which means a battle. You're going to have to conquer yourself. You're going to have to conquer circumstances. You're not going to have to do it alone, but through Jesus who loves us is how the victory comes. So I will myself to pray. Why? Because I know if I don't pray and spend time with Jesus, I won't have what I need to conquer what I need to conquer in my life. So I need to go there every day. You know what? You know what spiritual warfare is? When it's 6 a.m., 5 a.m., and that alarm goes off, and I don't feel like praying. And without anybody else in the room, I get up. Slapping my face, putting water on my face, roll out. My carcass is tired. And I say, self, 
you're going to pray today. When I don't feel like reading the Word of God or when I open my Bible and I got the jitters because I'm impatient, all of a sudden breakthrough starts happening, revelation starts happening, God starts dealing with my heart about stuff, and then everything in my mind starts thinking about this, thinking about bills, thinking about what I have to do today, thinking about all this. And spiritual warfare is we willing myself to say, self, God is working in your life right now. You stay still until God is done. That's warfare. Why? Because it's not a thermometer mentality. It's a thermostat mentality to say the culture of God, the holiness of God, the righteousness of God is what's going to reign in my life. And that's what Jesus wants to do through you. I am not superhuman. The victory is in our surrender to God. Matthew 5, verse 6. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 6, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Amplified says, Blessed, joyful, nourished by God's goodness are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, those who actively seek right standing with God, for they will be completely satisfied. Completely satisfied. Satisfied. I want to just speak for a few moments on this subject, love of the Father. Love of the Father. Can we lift our hands up to the Lord Jesus, have your way? We give you thanks for your, your presence that we already feel in this place. I thank you for the breakthrough and the victory that is already in this sanctuary, Lord. Lord God, you want to do more than give us a thrill, but you want to teach us to walk in victory and in dominion in our lives. I pray, Lord God, that we would not brush this off as a light moment, but Lord God, you're breaking us through into a new dimension, through a new hope, through a new identity, Lord. Let us receive your word with fear and trembling. Lord God, anoint me as your servant that I may say what you want me to say and do what you want me to do and that we would receive your word and obey it in jesus name we pray amen can we give one more hand clap of praise unto the lord as you're seated this morning amen amen tonight or this morning amen and let me say this i didn't get a chance to say this earlier but Amen. Please pray for Sister Ford. She is not feeling well. Um, she's homesick today. And so let's keep her in prayer. I know uh, the, the Garcia family is out sick today. And so let's keep them in prayer as well. But, you know, I want to mention this before I get into the word of the Lord. Two things very quickly. Amen. If you have children ages uh, 2 to 5th grade, we have Shine Kids every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. And so for those who, who, who may, uh, you know, come at 1045, I want to encourage you. You know, obviously, our service has been 10 to 12. Amen. And I know what happens in between 10 and 12 has changed. But our service is still from 10 to 12. And so we do have Shine Kids. We have not stopped Shine Kids. Shine Kids just begins at 10 a.m. And so I want to encourage all of those with children from 2 to 5th grade, amen, to take advantage of that. Also, very quickly, we're going to be having a meeting. I'm asking everyone to stay back a few moments after service today for a churchwide meeting. I want to talk about 
uh, growth and uh, just where we are as a church. Um, and, and so there has been, uh, we've seen significant growth over the past several months, and I know there's many out sick today, et cetera, but we have been praying and planning uh, extensively for how we're going to take the next step to accommodate growth. And so we, I want to take some time to speak to that um, after service. So if you'll be so kind to stay immediately after dismissal of service, uh, I just only need a few minutes of your time to, to kind of give a state of lighthouse with where we are and where we're going to prepare for the next level. Amen. So Matthew 5, 6, it says, blessed. The Amplified Version says, joyful, nourished by God's goodness are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. You catch that? You know, we, we have to pause in the scripture when we read it. It's not like reading your textbook or a novel where you read it and you just keep moving on and you just keep moving on to the next sentence, the next phrase, etc. We need to learn, the Lord would wants us to, to learn how to pause and receive the word of God. Jesus says, blessed, joyful, nourished by God's goodness are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Those who actively seek right standing with God, for they will be completely satisfied. They will be completely satisfied satisfied. You know, I was moved in prayer recently, and I felt like the Lord dropped a thought in my mind that is so relevant to our lives and our society today. And I felt like in this moment of prayer, he shared his heart with how he feels about the state of the world, especially our our first world nations here in America being one of those. But I felt like he dropped this thought to me that entertainment numbs hunger for God. Entertainment numbs hunger for God. When Cain, amen, had slayed his brother Abel and went out from the presence of the Lord. The Bible briefly references he and his descendants making instruments of music and seeking forms of entertainment to distract themselves from the voice in the presence of the Lord. Every one of us has a hunger that God placed himself within us for his presence. And none of us will ever be completely satisfied and fulfilled in this life until that hunger in our soul is filled with him. But entertainment numbs that hunger. Entertainment numbs hunger for God without ever satisfying the hungry soul. It's a bait and switch. You feel like that's going to make me laugh. That's going to make me feel like I had did something really fun. That's going to make me feel this way or that way. And all the while we do that and we watch that and we participate in that and we are still left empty. 
It's the junk food for the soul. It numbs the hunger. You ever feel that? That nudge from God calling you to prayer? That nudge from God calling you to read his word? But there's this wrestling match inside of you. And so you go back and forth whether you're going to yield to the call of God to spend time with him or you go into flight mode and you quickly find something else to distract your mind from the voice of God. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I'll watch a YouTube video or I'll turn on the game or I'm going to go for a run. And there's nothing wrong with any of these things as long as they're pure and so on. But we must be careful that we don't use these things to distractify ourselves from the hunger of God. Because the Lord is igniting that hunger. He's making us aware of that hunger in need for him because he desires to satisfy that need. He desires to fulfill that need. He desires a man to overflow his presence in that need. Psalm 1611 says, in thy presence there is fullness of joy. Fullness of joy. What does that mean? Amen. When I get in his presence, when I feel that hunger, instead of distracting myself, I decide to yield to that hunger and say, you know what? I'm hungry. I'm going to pray. I'm going to spend some time with God. I'm going to get into his word. I'm going to turn on some worship music and begin to open my heart to God. What begins to happen is we enter into his presence. And then we are filled. Our hunger is filled with the fullness of God's joy. And at his right hand, there are pleasures forever more entertainment numbs hunger for God while never satisfying the hungry soul the lust of the flesh the lust of the eye and the pride of life all war against hunger to know the father Psalm 27 4 you know what it says it says one thing come on say it with me one thing thing. Come on, we're just in March, y'all. We're going to wear this out. You know, I'm not trying to say this as many times as I'm saying it to wear it out with us, but I need it myself. God wants to get us to focus. God wants us to live this. This is more than just some cool graphic that we have on the screen. God is wanting to teach us what really matters in life, and that is one thing. Have I desired of the Lord that will I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple? Jesus is trying to get us where the rubber meets the road. Jesus is trying to get to where we really live day in and day out. 
Jesus is trying to get us to application of his word. I can hear the word. I can say, yep, I understand that's right. I understand that's what I should be doing. But there's a difference between understanding what I should be doing and doing it. I know, Pastor. I know, Pastor. I hear that all the time. I know, Pastor. I know, Pastor. Amen. But there needs to become a difference between what I know. I'm sorry. There should not be a difference between what I know and what I do. I've got to apply the word of God to my life. Something real has to happen in my life and in your life. There has to be evidence in our private lives that Jesus is who we really want. Where's the proof in your life that Jesus is? is who you really want. It's one thing to confess it. It's one thing to know it. But it's another thing to do it. Where is the proof in your life? Let me tell you something. You don't need to show me. You don't need to prove to me. I'm not going to come to your house uh, and come expecting all your rooms and, and checking out and seeing, trying to see evidence. Although, amen, we all evidence something. from our life, whether we realize it or not. But Jesus wants to know, where's the proof? Where's the proof between you and God? God is looking to say, where's my proof? Where's your proof, son of God, daughter of God, in your home, on your smartphone, in your media devices? Where's the proof that Jesus is who we really want? In our workplaces, in our cars. That's, that's mine right there. Whew, I have to pray through when I'm on the road. I had to make a, a trip to Virginia, see my family. I, my sister's been sick. Please keep her in prayer. But I had to go there unexpectedly. And it's a nine-hour drive. And I'm going there, and I'm telling you, I'm, you know, I become Mr. Justice on the road, and I'm like, Lord, you don't have to help me because I'm getting fired up at these cars cutting me off. Look at that man cutting that lady off. I get worked up, and I have to pray through, and Jesus says, you're only going to see them for like two minutes, and then the car's gone. <laughs> you're right, Lord. Who's that guy think he is? He's cutting everybody off in this whole road. Where's the proof in my car that Jesus is who I really want? Where's the proof Monday through Saturday that Jesus is who we really want? May my private altar be greater than my public success. May my private altar be greater than your public analysis of my life. May my private altar be greater than your impression of me is whatever 
that impression may be, may my private altar be greater than that. May your private altar be greater and greater and greater. You know what? I need a greater altar tomorrow than I needed today. Amen. Come Monday, come next month, come next week, come come next year. I'm going to need a bigger altar. I'm going to need a deeper altar. I'm going to need less of me and more of him in my life. I want to be changed. I want to continue to change. Where is your private altar? Where is it? What is it? It is your dedicated place of prayer. For those of who you for those of you who were here this time last year, it is your chair. Anybody remember that? Come on, those of you. Amen. Where is your chair? Where is that place that you spend with God? Every single day that if we can't point to a time in a place where we spend time with God, we are not serious. About our relationship with him. My private altar is the place where we open up our Bibles and commune with God. It is our place of surrender and obedience. It is our place of purification in the presence of the Lord. Psalm 55, 17 said, Evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. One thing. One thing. One thing have I desired. I'm going to speed up here for sake of time. You know, this weekend, I, I literally got in from Virginia Wednesday, went to a minister's retreat Thursday, got back Saturday. I've been trying to tie up every loose end I could before Sunday. But there was a sweet move of God at this minister's retreat that my wife and I had the privilege to be at. And, uh, Sister Shostrand, who was, her and her husband were speaking, and, and she said, seek, don't seek to be, don't seek to do a work for God. Rather, seek to be a work of God. Don't seek to do a work for God. Seek to be a work of God. I want my life to emanate and display the work of God's hands on me. He's not easily angered. He's not easily offended. He's long-suffering. He's gentle and patient and kind. It is the work of God in my life. He's forgiving and understanding. He's merciful. He's true. He walks pure. I see how he reacted in that situation. I see how she reacted in that situation. It is the work of God, and I want to be a work of God. I want the Lord to complete 
his work in my life. You know, we talk about one thing, have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. We got to understand something. I get it. When I hear people tell me they're busy, I get busy. When people tell me they're tired, trust me, I get tired. I understand what it means to be tired. When I hear people say, I don't have it, I know what it means to say, I don't have it. I get it. I understand it. I am you too. But what we must understand today is that our love of the Father is not a matter of time. It's not a matter of money. It's not a matter of energy. It's a matter of value. And we will always make time for what we value. Why do I pray? Because I value my relationship with God. Why do I read and seek to yield to God's word? Because I value my relationship with God. Why do I obey the Lord in my tithes and my offerings and missions, givings and so on? Because I value my relationship with Jesus and I want others to be able to have a relationship with him too. I'm after one thing, and I am seeking after to behold his beauty and inquire in his temple. If I'm seeking more than one thing today, if you're seeking more than one thing, then we're double-minded. We're double-minded. The Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. You stand with me today. Love requires commitment. Love requires commitment. Confessed love that does not have commitment is a lie. It's not true. It's not pure. Love requires commitment. And if I'm not committed, then I'm not serious. If I'm not committed... And if you're not committed, you're not serious. We are only deceiving ourselves. You see, commitment is countercultural to this world. Forsaking all others is countercultural. You with me, church? Forsaking all others is countercultural to this world. Keeping your word 
is counter-cultural to this world. But 1 John 2.15, it says this, love not the world. Neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the Father, or any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You know, I feel like I need to say this, so we're going to pray here. I, I'm very careful what I filter into my life and my heart and my home. I don't have cable. Have, I use the Internet usually for work purposes and ministry. And I occasionally check news sites, sports, social media from time to time. I like a good laugh. I'll see something funny from time to time. But lately, lately, I'm becoming more and more disgusted with advertisements, posted content, whether by people or by the news, pop-up ads. Perversion is increasing. I said perversion is increasing. Violence, insensitivity, derogatory language, mockery of the things of God, the constant parading of sin, and the growing hatred of Jesus Christ. It is the way of this world. It is the culture of this world. We live next to it. We go to school with it. We go to work with it. As a matter of fact, it's everywhere we go. Except here. It even comes in here. Why? Because... The church is not a social club where just perfect people come. Jesus died to save sinners. Jesus shed his blood on Calvary to reach people from the world and adopt them as his own. That's why the church exists today. To turn from sin to righteousness. But the further this world gets away from Jesus, the worse it is going to get. The Bible tells us, love not the world. Love not the world. Neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in Today, I want the love of the Father. The Bible says we love him because he first loved us. What an amazing love we talked about last week. That while we were offenders and sinners, he died for us. Today, we're going to pray very simply today, but it holds a lot of weight how we pray today couple of weeks ago we talked about commitment standing at the altar why do we have an altar why do we call this area the altar 
Why do a bride and groom walk themselves down to an altar to commit themselves before God and man before all others? They're saying we're entering into covenant together. And today we're going to pray a prayer of commitment. I know what I'm preaching. It's not shouting preaching. It's not swinging off the chandeliers kind of preaching. But this will get you to heaven kind of preaching. Because I'm going to tell you something. After the feeling fades away, and it will. Okay? My wife and I were going on 16 years. We have a lot of fun. We have joyful times together. We're still in love with each other. But I'm telling you something. You don't always feel like smiling. You don't always feel like being peaceful. You don't always feel like getting along. Things don't always go your way. Life doesn't always go the way you expect it. So what do you do in your relationship with God? I don't feel the way in the altar I felt like before. I don't feel, I don't feel, I don't feel, I don't feel. Love is not a feeling. Love is commitment. So what do you do when you don't feel? You commit and say, I made a promise to God. God made a promise to me, and how many times have I failed him and God still kept his promise? God still kept his commitment. Why don't we lift our hands across this sanctuary today? We're going to pray. We're going to lift our hearts unto him. Why don't you close your eyes right now? I'm going to make a decision to commit my heart to Jesus. I'm going to turn from the way of this world. And I'm going to commit my heart and my devotion to him. I'm going to make it concrete. I'm going to make it evident. I'm going to give proof. I'm setting a time. I'm setting a place today. No more excuses today. I'm keeping my commitment to you, Lord Jesus, today. Lord, come on. Let's lift our voices right now. Let's lift our hearts unto the Lord. I commit my heart to you, Jesus. I commit my heart to you, Jesus. Oh, Lord Jesus, sort through my life right now. Speak to me, Lord. Lord, I come to you for an evaluation. I bring my heart to you to do inventory. Lord, what's stealing your passion from me? What's stealing, Lord God, my focus from you, Lord? Lord, I've come to devote my heart. I've come to commit my life. Lord God, come hell or high water. Come the mountain, come the valley. Come the crowd or come isolation. Come, Lord, the good times or the bad times I'm going to commit my heart to your love Lord Jesus Lord God because the things of this world will pass away but whosoever abides in your will whosoever does your will and loves you with all their heart their soul and their mind abides forever come on I want us to continue to pray here we have a few more minutes here at the end of this service 
I'm going to work up a hunger. Come on. Sometimes at 5 a.m. you don't feel hungry for God. Sometimes when you've just come home from work, you don't feel hungry for God. But I'm going to be like the Apostle Paul. I'm going to work up a hunger for God. Sometimes when you receive bad news, you don't feel hungry for God. Sometimes when you're in financial distress, you don't feel hungry for God. But the love of the Father, the love of the Father, who the hunger and thirst for righteousness, which is of God, will completely satisfy my soul. And so I'm going to commit to you. I'm going to commit to you. I'm going to commit to serve you with my whole heart. I'm going to commit to being a work of your hands. Change the contents of my heart. Transform my mind. Transform my priorities. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I'm going to build an altar in my house. I'm going to build an altar in my bedroom. I'm going to build an altar in my living room. I'm going to build an altar in my basement. I'm going to build an altar in my in my car. I'm going to build a place of prayer. I'm going to build a monument, Lord Jesus, before your presence. Saying, Lord, you're welcome here. Let your fire fall. I'll bring my sacrifice praise. I'm going to bring my sacrifice of worship. I'm going to bring my sacrifice of prayer and righteousness. And your fire is going to fall and change everything. Your fire is going to fall and change my marriage. Your fire is going to fall and change my family. Your fire is going to fall and change my neighborhood. As I build an altar, your fire is going to fall and change my school. As I build an altar, Lord, your fire is going to fall and change my workplace. As as I build an altar, your fire is going to fall and put an anointing upon my life. I want an altar. I'm building an altar. I'm making a commitment. I'm giving my love to you, my heavenly Father. Let's lift our hands one more time in this house. Jesus is, come on. This is not hype. God's bringing us to where the rubber meets the road. Amen. It's about what we take home from here. When Jesus fed the 5,000, amen took an act of faith. Amen. The little boy brought his lunch. The disciples mocked him and said, what are these so few among so many? But amen, the boy brought something. The boy brought something. It may not have felt like much, but he brought something and Jesus broke it and he multiplied and he satisfied every hungry life. Amen. And even after he filled 5,000 plus women and children, there were 12 baptisms baskets full of bread remaining. Amen. They got to take something home. They got to take home overflow. I promise you, child of God, that if you'll build an altar in your home, come on, where's the place? Where's your time? Set it before you leave this place. Where's the place? Where's the time that you spend with God? Every day, every day, as you build it, God's going to bring an overflow in your life. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, let's clap our hands unto the Lord right now.
Hallelujah, Jesus. I believe it, Lord God. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Come on, I'm going to do it. I'm going to build an altar. Come on, the Holy Ghost is still moving in this house. If you're praying, continue to pray. Uh, Amen. Come on. That's it. I'm going to build an altar. I'm going to build an altar. Before I'm a preacher, I'm an altar builder. Before I'm a pastor, I'm an altar builder. Before I'm a husband or a dad, I'm an altar builder. I build altars every day present my life before him as a living sacrifice present my love to him and he will show up his fire his power will fall today in the name of Jesus Christ child of God hear me what God is going to bless today is commitment Tomorrow morning, Monday morning, before you go to work. Some of you are going to work tonight. Before you go to work tonight, where's the time? Where's the place? I'm, I'm going to put, build my altar here, and God's going to meet me there. He's going to show up. He's, it doesn't matter how old you are. Young people, come on. Some of you in middle school, high school, college career, you think could God possibly do that for me? Yes, he can. Yes, he will. He will meet you there. I told you, 1995, when I was a freshman in high school, I didn't know how to pray. I didn't know how to read the Bible, but Jesus filled me with his spirit. And I'm telling you, some of the most amazing moves of God happened in my bedroom before school.